skeleton, and then I'm going to build some stuff around it each week. So, uh, But what's going to happen is we're going to start, and we're going to walk through the Bible, and we're going to pick 16 key chap, key verses, elements, uh, passages, and each one's going to build so that as it, as it, when we're done, you're going to have this complete Bible story, if you will, Genesis to Revelation, all right? So um, that, that kind of gives you a direction of where we're headed, all right? And so um, it's important because all of us ha- are d- at different places in our faith journey. And what happens is in the course of your, of, of your, your Christian experience, your, your journey, you, you end up adding things along, and some of them fit and some of them don't. So what we're going to do when we go through this series is we're going to give us kind of a comprehensive view of, look, these are really key, important Bible concepts that you need to have within your, your theology or your understanding of the Bible, all right? And so I want to challenge you that um, be careful here because we all have different backgrounds, and we all come at it from different perspectives. So my challenge to you is this. If you disagree with something, like you probably will this morning, okay, uh, you go back to your Bible, not culture, not your tradition, but you go back to your Bible and wrestle with it. Um, and, and that's all I ask of you. Um, because this morning we're going to deal with one that's going to ruffle feathers, but that's okay. Uh, that's just kind of sometimes the Bible does that, and I think it will this morning. So here we go. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning, all right? The verse we're going to look at is the last verse in chapter 1, verse 31, but I want to read the whole chapter so we have a good framework, so we have a good understanding. Because what you believe about God determines a lot of things in your life. So we want to start with where the Bible starts in Genesis chapter 1, where we learn a whole bunch of things about God. So Here we go. Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The word for God is Elohim. It's used 32 times in this one chapter. Elohim, the focus, whenever that word is used in the Bible, has the idea of power. And and you're going to see the power of God in creation here. Um, God speaks the world into existence. Now, if you think about it for a minute, speaking does not take a lot of effort. So let's say I was thirsty, and I'm standing up here, and I'm getting thirsty or something else, and I said, Hey, can somebody go grab me a glass of water? It wouldn't be too long, and there would be a glass of water up here. There's not a lot of effort in me having to do anything other than to speak it, and somebody would go and do that. Same thing with God. God just simply speaks, and it happens. That's the power that he has. And notice what he, what, what he does. He says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was an evening and there was a morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So he made the expanse to separate the water above from the expanse, separate the water above it. And it was so. And God called the expanse sky. And it was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place. Let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land, and he gathered the waters, and he called them sea, and God saw that it was good. Going on. Uh, Next, guys. Yeah. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, trees on the land, that bear fruit with seed, according to their various kinds. And it was so, and the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, trees bearing fruit with seed according to their kind. God saw that it was good, and there was evening, there was morning, and the third day. 
<clears throat> and God said, let the lights in the expanse of the sky separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. Let them be as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. He set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good, and it was evening, and it was morning, the fourth day. So clicking right along with it. Now, going on. He says, And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth in the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, <clears throat> every living, moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kind, every winged bird. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and the seas. Let the birds increase in the earth. And it was evening, and there was morning, and the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals, each according to his kind. It was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kind, creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. Going on. Then God said, <clears throat> Uh, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over the, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves over the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit and seed in it. They'll be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, everything has breath in it. I give you every green plant for food. It was so. And here's our passage this morning. This morning. God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And then we know on the seventh day, God rests. Okay? All right. So there's our story. We want to focus this morning on this idea right down there at the last verse. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. Here's what you need to understand, and this is the first principle we want to wrestle with this morning. When God created, when God set this thing up, he did it perfectly. He is the creator, and he has a right to do it any way he wants. And when he gets done doing all of this for this six days, he steps back and he says, now this is very good. This is what I wanted. This is the way I intended it to be. This is what I designed. You give me control of it. You let me do it my way. You let me do it. I'm, I'm the creator. I have the right to do that. This is how I want to create this thing. And we know from other passages in Psalms and other passages that Part of it was to reflect his glory. You want to know something about God? Look at his creation. Uh, you want to know something about how he sees things and how he views things? Look at how he created the world. That tells you a lot about God. It gives you a lot of insight to God as creator. And that's where we want to spend a little bit of our time this morning because the implications of that for us become important. So when I look at creation, when I look at this Okay, you've got to take that down because the wind's moving the thing and it's going to drive people nuts. Um, cause it, yeah, just go to a black screen, guys. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, <clears throat> when God creates, there are a number of principles that you see in this whole thing for six days. And I want to throw some of them out because, believe it or not, I think they have importance and significance for us. One of the things I see in the way God creates, 
the first thing right off the bat, God creates opposites. Right off the bat. Morning, evening. Light, dark. Day, night. Birds, up, fish, down. One flies in atmosphere, one swims in water. They, God, in, in the way that he creates, takes great pride in making things completely opposite. In, in science, in the realm of physics, we, call, we, we have a principle that we say every action has an opposite and equal reaction. There is an oppositeness to it in physics. Um, there is in many religions um, this idea, um, Eastern religions, they call it the yin and the yang. There, there, there's this idea of these two opposite things. Some of you have seen these, um, these uh, curly Q things, black and white. Um, there's this idea within nature, within creation, that things are opposite. And right off the bat, that is something God does. God says, okay, if I'm going to create the world perfectly, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to put a lot of things that are completely opposite in the world. That's part of who I am as a creator. Um, another thing that God does in, in his creation is this. You see this in the fourth day when he, he creates seasons. God says, you know what? I'm going to bring order to this thing called creation. I, I, there's going to be a time for daylight. There's going to be a time for night. You put a bunch of those together, and we're going to have a thing called a season. So we're going to go from summer to fall to winter to spring. See, that's why, by the way, I am opposed biblically to ever moving down south. <laughs> because they have, do not have four seasons, all right? So, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, you know, I, honestly, but I mean, God created a thing with seasons, with an order, with a rhythm to it. Um, he creates, and you know, he's going to create six days work, one day rest. God has, and, and this is the key, when God is involved in it, God brings order to chaos. And that's one of the principles you see at creation, is there is an order that is brought to this world. By the way, that should tell you something about how we live. When you and I are, find ourselves in chaos, it's why we get so frustrated, because we weren't designed to live in that kind of world. God is a God of order. So consequently, when I'm in a situation where it's chaotic and that kind of thing, I can step back and go, you know what, I don't know that that's of God. I, I, I don't know that, you know, because when I look at things in, 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 in Scripture and when I look at the way God does things, one of the things that God brings to things is order, not chaos. Chaos is not part of the way God is and who he is. Um, one of the things that I see is, is this kingdom is incredibly diverse. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, God could have said, trees, and they're all going to be oak. He could have said, flowers, they're all going to be roses. You know, he could have said, fish, they're all going to be bass. But God, when he creates, creates this incredible variety of flowers, of trees, of fishes, of birds, of everything. I mean, even, we even have different types of grass. Something as ordinary as grass 
God says, no, 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 I'm going to create it with all kinds of variety. Because you see, I'm a God who likes that. I don't like sameness. I'm a God who adds this incredible variety because I want you to walk out into the world and I want you to see my creation and I want you to look at that creation. I want you to learn some things about me as you look at what I have created. Not many of you know I, I like glass. I'm, I'm a glass guy. I like, I, I'm trying to get into the glass art thing and trying to get more creative with the art thing and stuff like that. So one of the things that I've started doing is studying glass artists and looking at it. And, and I'm to the point now that I can, there, there's some artists that I could actually look at a piece and tell you that was the artist before I ever saw a tag that said that's who created it because I know their style enough. Because you see, what happens is when you study when you study an artist's work long enough, you can see them reflected in that which they have created. And that's what God does. He steps into creation and He says, I'm going to reflect some things. I'm going to show you some things about myself in the way that I create the world. And let me tell you something. I love variety. I love, and, and here's the other thing. I love unity. I love the way it can all work together. I have this this, this idea that everything, although it is unique and diverse and everything else, can work together as one. And, and, and we need this because that animal eats that, that has to eat that, to eat that, to eat that. And then we have Disney go, it's a circle of life, Hakuna Matata. You know, I mean, that's the world that we're in. That's the world that God has created. And it is so finely tuned. And it is so incredible and intricate and that it all works together. And then here's the thing. Then God steps back and he says, and you know what? Here's the thing about it. I'm going to make it so it self-perpetuates itself. I'm going to make it so that there's this circle of life in which it reproduces and it does this and it does this and it does this and it reproduces and it does the cycle that's incredible. Um, when in reading and working on this this week, one of the stories I read was fascinating about two old guys that were sitting watching a bunch of squirrels um, take uh, nuts and hide them for the winter. And one of the guys brought up the point. He said, you know, he said, you know what amazes me? He said, is that the Indians studied squirrels and realized that they needed to store stuff up for winter? And they start storing stuff up based on when the squirrels start storing stuff up? And he said... It's kind of crazy to me that God made squirrels smarter than us. And the other guy looked at him and said, yeah, but did you know that the average squirrel forgets half of the places that he hides the nuts for the winter? And the other guy tried to explain it all away. He goes, well, you know, maybe it's just because... And then later he found an article that he sent to the guy, and the article said this. The article said that squirrels are responsible for planting so many thousands of trees per acre because of the nuts that they've forgotten where they put them. Even something as crazy as a squirrel that forgets where half of its nuts are stored produces trees to give it more nuts to be able to have it for the winter. Why? Because we have a God that thinks about that kind of stuff. Because we have a God that is so incredible in the way that he designed this thing. And, and I step back and I say it because as we look at creation, it tells me some things about my God and my creator. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of where I want to park this morning with just a couple of takeaways. Here, here's the first one. 
as creator and king, he can do whatever he wants with it. You get that? You get that because he set this thing up, he can do with it whatever he wants? You see, when, when I go down and play with glass, one of the things that I do with glass is, is, is I go down and, and, and I have in mind what I want to do and how I want to do it and what colors of glass I want to use and how I, what, what technique I want to try. And I, I spend a lot of time planning all that out and figuring all that out. And then I do it and sometimes it turns out like I want and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, I have the right to smash it up and start all over because it's mine. I, I created it. I'm the one who chose from, from the moment that I conceived of the idea what I wanted it to be and how I wanted it to go. And that's my right. And I have people come in and go, oh, you shouldn't destroy that. You know, that's beautiful. <laughs> Start over. Why? I'm the artist. I'm the creator. I get to do with it what I want. And look, when God creates the world, he steps back and he goes, now this, this is very good. This is what I wanted. Now, we're going to get into it in a couple of weeks. Satan's going to come in and mess the whole thing up. But the world as God intended it, the original intent, this is what it looks like. The original idea, God's idea, God's plan, God's purpose, this is what it looks like. And that gives me incredible insight into my life. Because here's why. Um. When God has complete freedom to do whatever he wants, this is the world he creates. So here's a question for you. What's heaven going to be like? Because you want to know my answer to that? People go, oh, we're going to be sitting on clouds singing hymns for the rest of our, our, our eternity. You know, that may get you excited. But honestly, I mean, unless Chicago's the band, you know... I could do that for all eternity, but short of that, I just don't know. You know, that's not my thing, okay? You want to know what I think heaven is going to be like? And I think I can biblically support this as well. Look at what God originally did. It's going to boggle your minds. Are you ready for this? We're going to work for all of eternity. Because when God creates a perfect world, there's work. Now, work is a pleasure, work is enjoyable, and work is effortless. I can do that for eternity. But the world as God created it and designed it, so, so follow this now because here's where we're going with this. So if this, God as king sets this thing up, and this is what we have to look forward to as a believer, then what's my job? My job is to take that world and this world and live it out in this world so these people see the way it should be. Does that make sense? In other words, I don't need to live my life in a state of chaos. I don't need to live my life always worrying. I don't need to live my life always focused on what if and what if and what about. And Why? Because that's not the way it was in the beginning. And that's not the way it's going to be at the end. So why don't I practice now for the way it's going to be? Because my goal is for the world around me to see these two worlds. Because they have no concept what these two worlds are like. 
They have no concept what it's like to be in a world in which there's order and there's structure. They have no concept of what, uh, what, it's to, what it's to be like in a world in which you have a relationship with God. Adam and, Adam and Eve every day spent time walking with God in the garden. That's, what, that's why when we talk about spending time with God every day, that's why it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an original intent principle. And by the way, this has tremendous impact for our culture today. See, and this is where some of you are going to have a problem with me. But again, go back to your Bible. If you still want to get mad at me, that's okay. Um, but go back to your Bible. Here, here, here's the thing. We're in a culture in which, here's what the culture says. When you and I try to take these principles and bring them into this world, this world gets very uncomfortable. And you know what this world says? You can't do that. We don't want you to do that. You, you shouldn't believe that. So we're in a culture which says, we're in a culture which has embraced the idea of evolution. And some of you, you may, you may be evolutionists. I don't know. You might embrace that whole evolution kind of thing. Can I tell you why this world embraces evolution? Because you see, if I'm right and there's a creator, then you're responsible to the creator. But if you can do away with creation, you can do away with your responsibility to a creator. So we have a world that wants to embrace evolution. Why? Because if they don't embrace, if they, the alternative to evolution is intelligent design or creator, and if there's creator, there's responsibility, and if there's responsibility, there's accountability, and if there's accountability, I'm really uncomfortable now. And so we have a world coming into us and going, you can't believe that, you're, you're crazy to believe that. We have that happening right now in the whole same-sex marriage thing. My goal is to take principles of this world and the principles of this world and live them out in this world. And this world gets very uncomfortable with that. Now, granted, as Christians, you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. On Christians, some of what we're getting, we deserve. You know why? Because we preach compassion, but we don't show compassion. So some of the attacks that we get are deserved. And we blew it when we weren't compassionate in the beginning. I get that. But that doesn't mean I throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, and when we deal with this whole same-sex marriage thing, let me make this as simple as I can to you. A lot of people, I, I would guess if I had to take a poll in here, I, I would say probably 20 to 30, 40% of you maybe, as, many, as much as 40% of you, would say, you know what, I don't see that it's that big a deal. And, and, and let me just give you that for a moment. I understand the biblical issues of people like to take the verses and debate them. Are they culture? Are they biblical? For a minute, let's just set all of that aside. Okay? Let's just, I'll, I'll give you that. Here's my problem with the whole same-sex marriage thing. I believe in a God who, when he set it up and said, this is what I wanted, this is very good, set up a world of opposites. I believe in a God that set up a world of uniqueness. I believe in a God who set up a self-perpetuating world that can procreate itself. 
I believe in a God who said, when I set it up as perfect, this is what I established. So when somebody comes to me and says, whoa, 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 God is loving, therefore you should accept that. I can't. And here's why. Because you've just chosen one aspect of God to focus on. You haven't focused on a God who said, originally I desired opposites. Originally, I desired uniqueness. Originally, I desired a self-sustaining world. All of the things that you're saying I'm okay with go against my nature. So I struggle. I can't say God's okay with it. And my job as a believer is to say, this is what this world is, this is what this world is, and my job is to bring those principles into this world. I need to do it lovingly, I need to do it compassionately, but I don't need to do it in such a way that I have to compromise what I believe. And I think when we get to this whole issue, you and I are going to face more and more struggles and more and more issues over the years. And I, I, I think, I, honestly, I'd plaster this everywhere I could if I, if I wanted to get bizarre about this. But Rick Warren has probably had the best quote I've ever seen on this issue. Um, throw it up. Let me show you what. And this is on any issue, okay? But here's what he said. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. That's not true for me. I have a lot of people that I disagree with their lifestyle on for all kinds of reasons. I have friends who worship money. I disagree with their lifestyle. Um, but I don't hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Anyone who's raised kids figures this one out. I can still love you, but disagree with the choices you're making. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. I cannot say it any clearer than that. My fear for us is that what has happened is we're so afraid now to walk into the world and say anything. And if my job is to take that world and that world and bring them into this world, then why have all of a sudden I decided that I have to be quiet? Because you don't like what I'm going to say. Because here's my question. They're not going to like you talking about Jesus as the only way, the only truth, and the only life either. You're going to shut up about that as well? I'm not saying you're not compassionate. I'm not saying you're not loving. I'm not saying you have an excuse to be that way. But what he says here is so accurate that we really need to emphasize this. Because you know what? Here's the thing. I can disagree with your lifestyle and not fear or hate you. I have people all around me all week long that I disagree with their lifestyle. I have Christians that I disagree with their lifestyle with. That doesn't mean I fear or hate them. I pray for them. I want to encourage them to change. I want to encourage them to make better choices. But you know what? I don't have to fear or hate them. And you know what? 
Just because in order to love you, I don't have to agree with everything you believe or do. I raised two boys. And many a time did I sit down with them and say, first question, do you know that I love you? Yes. Second issue. Good. Now you're still grounded. Because what you were doing was wrong. And there's a consequence to your choice. I love you. But I'm not going to write off and I'm not going to ignore and I'm not going to agree with what you did. But I still love you. And my kids will tell you, every time I ended it with that, you know I still love you. Yep, okay, we're good. I didn't say you like me. I didn't say, do you love me? I said, I love you. I care about you. But this can't go on. I disagree with this. And the same thing. I can go into a culture and say, you know what? I love you, but I disagree with you. I love you, but I can still think what you're doing is wrong. And you can disagree with me, and we can agree to disagree, and that's fine. But don't you dare ask me to adapt to your world because you're uncomfortable. I can still love you, and I can still share the gospel with you, and I can still tell you what I think the Bible teaches in love. But the Bible's very, very clear. Speak the truth in love. But don't not speak the truth. And some of us, what's happened is we're hiding behind. We're so afraid of the world. We're so afraid to even speak up for Christ on any issue. And in my case, here's my question. Are you bringing those two worlds into this world? Or are you bringing this world into your world? The world doesn't need more people who are saying the same thing. It needs people who will stand up for the God who we say died on the cross for us. So my challenge is, as I step back, is to realize, you know what? God's God, and he can do what he wants. And an H.G. Spafford was able to realize that. Where he could step back and say, you know what? They weren't really my children, they were his children. And so if he takes them, I can still come to the end of my life and say, it's well with my soul. Because he's God and I'm not. Job was able to say the same thing. That's the kind of faith that says, you know what? God's God, I get it. And that's a, that's a big faith. And I want to challenge you this week. You don't need to be obnoxious. You don't need to be holier than thou. You need to be compassionate. But don't compromise what you believe just because people tell you you have to agree with them. And don't be afraid to stand up and say, you know what, I don't know what you believe, but I believe that the only way to heaven is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I know, you, I know you disagree, I know others disagree, and, and that's fine. But I'm not going to move from my position. Because I know who Jesus is in my life, and I know what he's done in my life, and I'm not going to apologize for him. So my prayer for you this week is this. This world starts with a king who creates a kingdom. Original intent involved the world of opposites, Balance, rhythm, order, unity, diversity, design, and the ability to reproduce itself. 
It is life as the king wanted it to be. And it's the kind of life we need to try to live each day in our lives this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, it's so easy to get intimidated by the world. It's so easy, Lord, to be quiet when we need to speak up. And Lord, it's easy sometimes to talk when we need to just listen. So God, we need the understanding to have that incredible balance of knowing when to say something and when not to say something, to know what to say and what not to say. Lord, use us. God, we live in a world, and we're going to be surrounded by people this week who need Christ. Lord, they need people who can demonstrate peace and not chaos. They need people who can bring order to a, to a difficult, troubling situation. And they need people who can show the love of Christ in all that they say and all they do. And God, you've put us here to do that, so help us to do it this week. And Lord, we can only do it with your strength, with your power, with your wisdom, dependent upon you, so help us to do that. And Lord, thanks for creating this incredible thing we call the world. And Lord, this week, may we be able to sit back a little bit and, Lord, see you in your creation and draw even closer to you this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's